things the Lord put in my heart about Mario is um, Mario is such a steward, which is what Jesus did when Jesus came to the earth. He stewarded everything that God had placed in his hands. And I watched the way that Mario is with his family, the way he loves his kids, the way he treats his wife and the way he functions as an elder and on the admin board in this church. And I'm just so um, blessed by the testimony of Christ in his life as a steward of everything that God has given you. Um, And I see it in his kids. I wish that, I just, I love your kids. I favor them a little bit. But um, I mean, I see Maria, I'm just a daughter of God, a handmaiden, and I look at you and I see the things that your mom and dad have poured into you, and I know that you are a Mary, and as you sit at his feet, God is going to pour into you, and the things that he pours into you, you just love him, and you're going to teach those things because you're a teacher, (laughs) and God's going to use you in that, and I look at Michael, and Michael, you are going to be a leader of men. I just see God elevating you in a way and just raising you up and and you are going to have these men that follow you in the things that you do and you're going to lead them justly and rightly and they're going to love you. And of course, Marcella is just a little daughter of favor. So I love you guys and what an honor. You guys are the blessed ones. You're here tonight and you get to hear and glean from the wisdom of this man, Mario. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, hello, everybody. How y'all doing? Good. Uh, like Barbie said, God's grace found her. God's grace definitely found me. He definitely had to get me out of where I was born to, uh, to, to give me his grace for sure. Uh, I'm Italian. I was born and raised in Chicago. I uh, am the number four son of five boys. Um, that actually became my name after a while, you know, because after you have three kids, your parents can't remember your name. So I'm number four. Uh, my parents were uh, immigrants, obviously born in Italy. They were both born in the same little town and met in Chicago on the streetcar named Desire. A true story. Well, they named the streetcar Desire, but they really did meet on the streetcar. But anyway, um, I remember when I was in school and I learned about immigration. And uh, I checked the public school. But anyway, um, I came home and I was so proud. And at the dinner table, I told my mom and dad that they were ignorant. And I was just sure that I knew that they were ignorant. You know, you came over from another country. You're an ignorant. And my brothers. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's immigrant, number four. Uh, so I had, I had to be corrected. Uh, uh, we, when we were little, we learned Italian, that we spoke Italian in the house. So I'm going to teach you some Italian, okay? Are you ready? Okay, now you've got you to over-pronunciate your vowels, okay? That's the key to speaking Italian. Are you ready? Okay. Pizza. Pizza. Very good. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Rigatoni. Rigatoni. See, it's very easy, right? Very easy to speak Italian. Do you know what this means? It's the opposite of this. Okay. It's easy to speak Italian. Uh, I was raised Catholic, um, learned uh, a lot of uh, what I feel reverence and respect, uh, maybe a little ritual, uh, but uh, you know, I, knew, I knew no different. Uh, I was thinking about it that I, I, I don't think I actually heard the, the gospel in any other form 
from anybody who wasn't Catholic, except for our crazy neighbor that lived behind us. We had a dog that when we hit the ball in his yard, we had the time when we would go get the ball because the, the dog would run after us. Uh, so I wasn't going to listen to him for sure. Uh, I, I got, a, not a kick, but I loved what Rhonda said about, about her view of grace growing up. My view of grace growing up was, was very similar. I didn't know about the tightrope, but it was perfect because my view of grace, you're on that tightrope, right? And then somebody's over with a, with a mallet, and he's going to knock you off. <laughs> one, of, one of my brothers, Tony or, or Joey or somebody. Um, but it was, still, it was still, still cool growing up uh, in Chicago, growing up that way. Um, I'm here finally. I finally get a, a chance to uh, refudiate Pastor Ronnie's razzing of me all these years about being a Cubs fan. And I can prove to you biblically that God is a Cubs fan. See, now I know he's not a Cardinals fan, Steve, because his bird of choice is a dove, not a Cardinal, right? We know he's not a Giants fan because who did David... David took care of the Giant. He's a Cubs fan, and I got the scriptures to back it up. Listen to the scriptures. He's long-suffering. He's patient in affliction. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And a day to God is like a thousand years. And I figured that since it's been a hundred years, I've already taught, we've got a tithe going on here of the thousand years. So this year is our year. Okay. All right. Uh, those brothers paved the way for me. I love my brothers. I looked up to them. They're, they're, they're my heroes. Uh, it was great being the number four Galeone coming behind them in school. It, it got me lots of privileges and protected me. Um, all these things were really normal. That, you know, being a Cubs fan, being Catholic, being Italian, all that were all in, all in my DNA. It's, I, I didn't know any different. The only thing that I didn't have was a relationship with the Lord. I was the ignorant one. Um, after I got out of high school, uh, I fell into retail. And I, I fell in love with shoes. My brother John, number three, was in clothes. So we had the tag team going on, loved cars, loved the good life. Um, as, I, as I got into my late teens and early 20s, I joined a cult. It was called the Creasters. That's when you go to church on Christmas and Easter. Uh, it doesn't serve you very well. Uh, I almost got married in 1983. Uh, that didn't work out, thank God. Um, I got promoted uh, with the company that I worked. I got to move to Nashville in 87, and I actually met Melanie then and a bunch of other friends. Uh, just had a lot of fun for a couple of years. Had some really bad relationships uh, that I'm not real proud of. Got into a lot of things. I still viewed myself as a good guy, uh, but I was lost. Uh, I didn't have any church at all. Uh, I wasn't going to church at all. Uh, my view of God was that he was love and everything was cool. And, and I think I obviously I just did that so I could stay away. Um, I almost, well, I tried uh, getting back together with the girl that I almost married. Thank God that didn't work out again. Um, but I just kept chasing after the world's way and the world's view of happiness. Um, you know, uh, building up all kinds of debt thinking that it's things, that it's stuff, that it's success, that it's cars or whatever. Um, and obviously that didn't work. Uh, I don't really know what happened or how it happened. I do remember crying out to the Lord, not like something real spiritual, but something more like it was just desperation, you know, crocodile tears, woe is me type of a, uh, of a prayer. 
Um, but he answered. Because in 1990, he brought me Melanie. Now, I'm up here and she's down there, so I get to tell the story of how we met. And this is the way I remember it. So we had been friends. I dated uh, one of her friends that was part of our group, who was a nightmare. Uh, but she was good friends with Melanie. And Melanie used to try to you know, talk to her to get her to, you know, calm down. If she would just kind of play it cool, things would be okay. But she didn't listen. Again, thank God. Um, but anyway, uh, I was at my house in Smyrna. I had moved out to Smyrna and I got a knock on the door and here's Melanie and her mom. Now her mom uh, was kind of like our group mom. She was our team mom. So she was, she was really cool. Um, and, you know, we got to talk and they were in the neighborhood because they were helping some friends move. And uh, so, you know, we were talking. I was dressed up. I was ready to go out. And the way she told me the story afterwards, she said, you know, when she shut the door, she said to her mom, Mario's cute. How come, you know, we've never gone out? And she said, well, it took you that long to figure out that he's cute? Uh, but he's not going to ask you out. She said, why not? She said, well, because of Debbie, he will never ask you out. So you're going to have to ask him out. So the story goes, I went home for Thanksgiving. On my answering machine is a message from Melanie Hudson saying that the group, our gang, was going to get together and go see Phil Vassar downtown at the Ace of Clubs. And did what did I want to go? So I thought, okay, well, that's strange. She had come over. She called me. Okay, I, all right, no, no big deal. I talked to one of my friends, and he didn't know anything about it. So I thought, all right, well, listen, I'm going to find out what's going on. And if nobody else is going, then you're not going, okay? Because Melanie called me. She didn't call you. So... Uh, I called her back and I said, sure, that sounds like fun. And she asked me to pick her up. So I called my friend up and I said, you're definitely not going. <laughs> so that was our first date. And um, we had been going out ever since and fell in love and got married. Uh, it didn't go exactly like that, but uh, it, it, it was pretty close. Um, so if you want the real story, you'll have to talk to her. Um, but that is how we, how we met and how we got together. Um, she was singing on the riverboat, the Bell Carol downtown on the river. And uh, a guy named Richard Waters, who saw her on the Bell Carol, called her up and invited her to go to church at Bethel Chapel, the old Lord's Chapel. Um, the ironic thing is that I had my mother and father come to Chicago to visit, and I took a different date, and my mom and dad on the Bell Carol, and they met Melanie. And my mom said, why can't you go out with somebody like her? Mom, that's, she's my friend. It's okay. Well, when we got engaged and went home to Chicago, my mother had a Polaroid that was taken of her and Melanie that she had in her purse. So, anyway. So, yeah, obviously, it was meant to be. Um, so, we went to Bethel Chapel. And we went on a Sunday night. And I thought that was the coolest thing because I didn't know you could have church on Sunday night. And I didn't know you could have a band, and I didn't know you could, you know, dance and worship and everything like that. It was scary, but yet it was cool at the same time. So because she was singing and, and wanting to further her country uh, music career, uh, she was working on the weekends. And so going to church on Sunday morning was, was, was nothing that she, you know, at the time would do because she was, had been working at, at the evenings. So I started going back to Mass at, what's the, what's the Catholic Church in Smyrna? Yeah, St. Luke's. And so... For six months, I'm doing this back and forth thing, trying to figure out what it is I believe. Well, God surrounded me. Ray and Claudia Peterson were my care group leaders, our care group leaders. And as you know, most of you know Ray and Claudia. Ray was a singer. 
became a Christian, and Claudia was raised Catholic. So I don't think that there was any accidents in the fact that God put uh, us under their care. And, and I really credit the Lord for putting Ray and Claudia in both of our lives, Melanie and mine, um, and, and being our spiritual mom and dad. It also turned out that Bert and Kelly King were my neighbors two doors down, and they went to that church. So that's kind of how God started surrounding me. Uh, but I still wasn't saved at the time. Uh, we got married in 91, November of 91, and in spring of 92, Melanie's brother Kyle wrote me a letter. And this was my first waterfall moment. Um, he asked me if I had accepted the Lord as my Savior. And, you know, I mean, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, well, gee, I, 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 I guess so. I go to church now, you know, so it, I, I probably did, right? But I didn't really have any conversation with anybody about it. I didn't talk to Melanie about it. Um, and I was in my front lawn, and for, for those guys, of, you know, when you dethatch your lawn in the spring, you know what you're doing, right? You're, you're cleaning up all the dead junk so that the new growth can come through. And I'm raking up all the dead grass and getting blisters on my hands. And I just felt the sun shine on me. And at, at that moment in my front lawn, I felt the Lord say, that's what I've been doing to you all this time. I've been pulling out the junk from your life so that new life can come. Okay, so that, 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 that was good. That, that really was my first waterfall moment. That night, we went to an intercessory prayer at Bethel Chapel. And uh, Brother Ray was, was leading it. Kyle was there with me. Uh, actually, Tim, your older brother Tim was there. And I had got to be friends with the, the other Tim Peterson, who, who I think lives in Mexico still. Is that right? So anyway, so um, we were at this inter- intercessory prayer meeting, and... We're praying all kinds of different stuff. I, I really wasn't very familiar with stuff like that, but I just felt the Lord picked me up out of my seat and I walked down front and Brother Ray was standing down front and he said, what's on your mind, son? And I said, I think I need to give my life to the Lord. And then he just hugged me and the tears and the, just the release and the sweetness of God's presence. And then everybody came around me and... That was the next, that was when the waterfall really took place. It was awesome. And a short time after that, Melanie and I got uh, baptized together um, the same night by Brother Ray. And that was wonderful. And and our life together really started. Um, In the early days, um, I still had a a lot of debt. Um, She almost didn't want to get married because of that. Um, But I promised her, honey, it's not how we start, it's how we finish. And uh, if you just stick with me, we're going to get through this. So, I got the pleasure of meeting Dave Ramsey when he had hair, and uh, he did a, a weekend seminar at Bethel, and the, the rest was history. We caught a hold of it, and, uh, and uh, it really changed our lives. Um, I got uh, involved in usher ministry and just lear- learning the baby steps of the word, and, and it just really was the strong formative years. Um, at work... Um, I wasn't in Journeys then. I was in our Jarman division. I had a, had a very tough Vince Lombardi football coach kind of boss um, who I really didn't like very much. Uh, and, uh, you know, I tried to flee to Tarshish. I, I, I tried to move to Atlanta and get another job. The one time that I tried to get another job, fortunately, again, God didn't uh, answer that prayer or, or didn't answer that wish, if you will. I didn't pray about it at the time. I think I just, I needed out of here, so I'm going. Um, but it all worked out, and I, I grew to love uh, Craig, and I learned a lot of great, uh, a lot of great things from him, and, and mostly just good, solid Christian things. And he didn't teach me from a Christian perspective, but he teach me work ethic, 
being truthful, accountability, responsibility, just all major tools in my life from, from a work perspective that obviously applied uh, to life. And I think that's where the, the whole root of being in the world and not of the world really, really took a hold. Um, Brother Rodney would, would, would teach us it's that cause and effect on things, right? And, um, and many years later, when, when Craig was no longer my boss and, and he was sick, you know, when he needed hope, he called me. And that's when I was able to share the Lord with him. Um, and it's just amazing how God does those things. So um, we, you know, we just kept, uh, we, we kept growing. Um, God just kept blessing us in, 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 in many ways. And uh, I didn't tell you this in the beginning, but I was supposed to be a girl. My mom was convinced that after three boys, I was a girl. And so her name is Maria. So there's no, uh, she was going to name me Maria. That was going to be my name. And when I came out a boy, there was a famous opera singer who was Italian called Mario Lanza, who was popular, and that's how she switched my name. So when, it, when we found out we were going to have a, a baby, we didn't find out that it was going to be a girl, but I prayed, I said, Lord, I want a girl just like her mom. And the Lord gave us, Melanie, or gave us Maria in 1993. So my first favorite child. They're all my favorite children. Um, I can't remember exactly when we came here, Pastor Ronnie, if it was 94 or 95, somewhere in that, somewhere in that time frame uh, when it was still SA in the old building. Um, I had been moved over from uh, the Jarman division, uh, which was a men's division, into the journeys division. I got promoted as a DMM. Um, and the move kind of was simultaneous when I moved from, when we moved from Bethel to here. Um, this felt like home immediately, uh, the, the embrace of everybody. I remember Pastor Ronnie took me to, to some type of a prayer meeting. I can't remember exactly where it was, but um, that just impacted me, that, uh, that, that, that he embraced me when we, when we first got here. Um, anyway, but I wasn't quite sure at the time why God moved me to, to Journeys, because Journeys is, if, for those of you who don't know, that's the company I work for. It's all about teens. And at that time, it was... The Generation X generation, the lost and aimless generation, right? It was all the grunge, and it was when tattooing and piercing was not popular, except with the people who shot the journeys. And I didn't really, I didn't really want to go there. It was like, okay, I, I get the idea. I got promoted. I didn't even find out how much money I was making, but it was one of those things that I knew, knew I had to go. And so for a while, I was going back and forth, trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, the next waterfall moment in prayer time was that I felt the Lord say to me that he wanted to change Generation X to Generation Cross through my work. Okay, so that's, that's interesting, uh, but it's journey, so I'm trying to figure out how that's going to work. Um, and then I realized that I was on the tail end of, that, of what Generation X was. I don't know the exact... Uh, the time frame, but I was born in 61, so I was on the very end of it. Um, fortunately, when he moved me over to Journeys, he gave me one brother in the faith. There was only eight or nine of us there, and um, I was able to share things with him. So I shared with him this, this vision, I guess I, I, you could call it, that I thought God gave me about Generation X to Generation Cross. So at the time, we were playing MTV videos, in our, you know, music videos in our stores that had, had just started getting popular, and we also did public service announcements. D- different, you know, crash test dummies were popular at the time, not, not smoking, don't do drugs. You know, we tried to be clean 
in where we could. Um, but uh, so anyway, we're sitting down, we're in our sample room, and we're starting to watch the upcoming public service uh, spots. And it was the Red Cross. And the public service spot finishes with a Red Cross spinning, 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 spinning. And it lands on, and it says, Generation X to Generation Cross. I kind of knew that I was supposed to be in journeys after that. We both looked at each other where, you know, the hair on our arms is standing up. And it was like, okay, all right. And literally just blessings came. Our business took off. We were opening stores like crazy. God surrounded me with incredible people at church and work. I had accountability all around me. Uh, We were, were, you know, really starting to plant some roots. um, And things were going really well. We got our little man. Our big man now, who's bigger than me, Michael, in 1997, you are a leader, son. Pastor Barbie's right. Um, The people that God surrounded him with here, uh, Lord rest his soul, Danny Gilbert, um, was, Rhonda talked about how, you know, we rub against each other and and hone each other and shape each other and polish each other. Well, obviously that fit Danny um, with the blacksmiths and iron sharpening iron. Many a breakfast, he met with me. Uh, I told this story at, at, at his, his um, memorial service about how he taught me how to eat breakfast at uh, Awful House. Smothered, you know, the only way to eat your hash browns was smothered, covered, and, you know, whatever. The bacon had to be crisp, the waffle had to be crisp, and leave the coffee pot on the table. That was Danny. But what a brother. He helped me so much. Um, In 1999, I think it was about 1999, uh, I felt that that Generation X to Generation Cross thing was leading me into the ministry. And we left the church to help start another church. Um, I didn't really like the corporate ladder thing. Um, It's not that I didn't like what was going on. I just, I I didn't have the desire to keep climbing up the ladder. So I kind of kept kept feeling like that this was about me going into the ministry. But I kept getting blessed and I kept getting promoted. So I, I, I had this struggle going on. Um, so anyway, we did that. Um, you know, I, I, I would say that, um, no, I, you know, I mean, ev- everything was cool uh, when we left. We left on good terms and I don't regret any of it. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, it, it just, but it, but it taught me a lot. It taught uh, Melanie a lot. Um, in 2000, we got our little Marcella, our Y2K baby. Um, things were going pretty well, but in, in early two, 2000s, we really started to have some struggles, and I really, I really felt that I missed God and that I put him in a box, and that that vision that I was thinking was far too small. Um, I took up somebody else's cross or somebody else's mantle and not my own. And he reminded me. He said, "Through your work, through the fruit." of what you produce through your work, Generation X will turn to Generation Cross. The next big waterfall was uh, meeting with Pastor Ronnie uh, and, and asking him uh, if we could come back. And of course, he was very gracious and said we could. Uh, I think he said something like, are you kidding? So I felt very good about that. I think that was 2003 or 2004. He gave me this book, uh, this little book called Kings and Priests. And because uh, I told him, you know, a little bit of the struggles that I was having. And this little paperback 57-page book changed me, and it gave me peace about where I was supposed to, to do. And, and I'm going to read you just one small part out of it. Um, God made men to thrive on conquest, and it's men and women, 
and he's just using men in, 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 the, in the writing, but he talks about both genders. When men see their daily lives as being vitally important to the kingdom's success on planet Earth, something changes inside them. When Monday through Friday is as big a spiritual experience as Sunday, then we're making progress. For the kings of the kingdom of God, today's battlefield is the marketplace. When men catch the vision that they are going to war to do the exploits for God as providers for God's kingdom, real life focus occurs. However, when men see the kingdom as a weekend thing that doesn't relate to their work, their need for conquest gets misplaced. When kings are not given proper vision to battle as providers, their need for conquest will spin off to other things. And then he goes on to give uh, some examples uh, like uh, King David when he should have been off at war. Uh, That's when he fell into sin with Bathsheba. So that really impacted me. A couple of other key things out of there is that the, that the author points out that the, the, in the, in the uh, Old Testament days, the ratio of priests or Levites, the Levitical priesthood, to the kings, to the providers, was 27 to 1 in favor of the kings. So there's obviously a lot more kings going out and advancing the kingdom, taking land, taking the spoils to advance the kingdom of God. So, in all honesty, it really, it really spoke to me because it, it, it showed me that I'm needed. You're needed. If you're out in the marketplace, men or women, you're needed. God needs you. It, it, it takes resources to run the kingdom. So, uh, that, that was really cool. I, I was still struggling a little bit where I fit. And then one Sunday, we were in the new uh, building here, and a man came and played Abraham. And we were really, the church was really starting to get into the, to the theater ministry. And I can't tell you what, I can't remember what he said. I know he, he, it was like um, about how cool it was that our church was doing the kind of things that it was doing. And it, it just broke me. And literal waterfalls. I was on my face right down over there bawling because I, I felt like somehow I fit. And, and between kings and priests and, and the things that he said, I knew that then there was, uh, there was work for me to do. Um, I was asked to be in Royal Rangers and on the administrative board and did financial counseling and and various other things. But guys, ladies, if you're out in the marketplace, this is just a little bunny trail side note. If if your calling, and it really needs to be a calling, not just a job, is out in the marketplace, then you need to view that as a calling, but you you also need to make sure where are you aligned in, in this house, in the body, where God's placed you. Because the, the, the needs and the, and the things that this church, church does are so diverse that our pastors and leaders need us. And we, they need us. They need our resources. They need our support. They need our effort. They need our blood, sweat, and tears. Amen? Um, so the, uh, you know, the last 10 years, uh, again, blessings just keep coming, uh, promotions. I've been now with Janesco uh, and Journeys 36 years. Um, I feel like these last uh, few years in particular have been uh, legacy years. Um, I keep hearing things like succession planning and, you know, passing the torch and and training and teaching and transition, all those different things, uh, you know, keep coming uh, up in your spirit and in your life and in the physical as as well as the spiritual, especially as you start uh, to to get into your 50s like like me. Seeing my kids grow up, uh, Maria's going to graduate college in a few weeks. She's going to get married in November. Michael's 
going to graduate high school. That's hard to believe. And Marcel is a, a freshman in high school. Um, you know, my marriage to Melanie is awesome. I, I don't know. I can't say it any, any other way. Um, we're, we've been busy the last few years. We took care of her mom before she passed. We've been taking care of my parents uh, the last few years, just a, a lot, especially the last six or seven months. Um, if I look back and, and evaluate uh, anything, uh, any kind of success or any kind of uh, uh, blessing in my life um, in at church or at work or in my family, obviously all the credit goes to the Lord. Uh, it, his grace did find me. Uh, but it's the people that he put in my life. It's my wife. Uh, it's my kids. It's my family. It's my family here. It's my pastors. It's my coworkers, the people that I report into. Um, the boundaries have really fallen in pleasant places for me. I didn't deserve it. I did all I could to... Um, Again, a lot of it was out of ignorance, but um, I didn't deserve any of it. Um, God gets all the glory. Uh, through, our, um, through our 23 years, uh, almost 23 years of marriage, uh, Melanie and I have really hung on a few key words. I, I would say that the, the, the two big ones would be balance and consistency. Um, we just try to stay balanced and stay grounded, try not to get too high or get too low. Um, and then just, you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent in your word. You got to stay in the word. You got to stay in prayer. We need to hear from the Lord ourselves. But also, if he's given us a, a, a spouse, a, a husband or a wife, uh, you're, you're, you need to be listening to your spouse. Um, and you need to stay in unity with your spouse and do what he says, um, not what you want to do. You don't need to help him by doing it in your own strength. Um, a couple of key areas... Um, that I would say would be uh, pretty impactful to me and, and, and it's just so wonderful that it's done at this church. I have to do this for work because we're a teen company and it's ironic um, the way this church does things but really believe in, in evolving and not staying the same. Don't live in the past. Um, I'm so grateful that the, the pastors here believe in this. They lead by example in that the way young folks, David, Mason, David, you, we, you were in the youth group with me. How did that happen, right? Uh, it's, it's just wonderful the way young folks have been trained up and transitioned and, and now in positions of leadership. And that is a credit to the way the, the pastors believe. Paul encourages us not to put our trust in our accomplishments or, or in our flesh and that this is a continuing process. Uh, Philippians 3 uh, 12 through 15 says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I love this line. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Uh, one of my, you know, one of, one of my old boss's pet peeves was to, to you know, to, to take responsibility for your actions and to never blame somebody else, okay? Um, our, our, our walk with the Lord, our salvation is a one-on-one -on -one thing with God, right? But walking out our salvation takes the community of believers with us, right? We need e each other, um,
one of my favorite movies with, when the kid, with the kids growing up was Lion King, The Lion King. And there's lots of great parts in it. But anyway, um, there was this one part where um, Timon and Pumbaa, I think, the, the warthog, yeah, uh, was telling Simba that he needed to put his past and his behind. Um, he, he was struggling going to take his rightful place as the one true king. And we can, put, we can struggle holding on to the past in a bad way, but I believe this was talking to us in a good way. Sometimes we're too quick to live in our past, in our successes, and we have to be careful and guard against that. You need to keep moving forward. Um, another thing that we uh, do so well here is we stay relevant without compromise. And um, being a team company at work, I, I keep going back and forth to that because God's always had so many parallels to me with, with work and my spiritual life. Um, we, we have to stay focused and, and keep relating to the next crop of teenagers. Otherwise, we'll grow old and we won't be relevant to them anymore. Um, but in, in our Christian walk, we need to do that without compromise. We can, we can be cool and, and we can be with the times and everything, but, but we got to stand our ground and we got to know our boundaries. And, he, and Paul also teaches us uh, in Corinthians about that. We have a sphere of influence. Our job or our calling, as I said to you, uh, is very important. And then how do we compare ourselves? He says in 2 Corinthians, he said, we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with someone who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond our proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that even reaches you. And then 17 and 18 says, but let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but whom the Lord commends. And this, this last one, um, I think was a key scripture in God speaking to me and getting a hold of me um, uh, before I was saved. And it is um, that the, the scripture in the gospels, I'm reading it out of Luke, and it says, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Um, this hit me for a couple of reasons. I, I think it, it hit my upbringing, you know, uh, the religious upbringing that I had, as opposed to a spiritual upbringing or relationship upbringing. Um, I have a, had a very rigid container, um, and that's what the you know what the scripture says. Now, uh, growing up Italian, uh, uh, wine uh, was something that my grandfather passed on to my father, and saw him do it every year. And you can learn a lot from making wine. Um, one of the things that you have to do with wine is once you first crush all the grapes and put it into the big container. It, it, it goes through a bunch of processes, but the, the main process, once, once you've gotten all the juice out, you, you go through the sifting process where you're pouring it from container to container. But you only, you leave that last little, little bit at the end because that's where all the sediment is. That's where all the stuff is that would make it bitter, that would ruin the taste of the wine. And you do this over and over. So there's a sifting process, and that, that really hit home. And then also... They don't use skins anymore. You can use, you know, uh, barrels or, or bottles or whatever. But you had to leave, leave room for expansion. You had to make sure because it'll, the, the juice as it ferments will create a gas uh, that, that will come out. And it needs to be able to be released as it ferments. Otherwise, it would, it would explode. It would burst the skin. It would burst the container. 
So that, that really hit home to me. And, and it's like, okay, I get that, God. My, I, I need a new wineskin. I need a new container to be able for you to pour in what you're going to pour. In. Otherwise, if, I, if, I, if this container doesn't get new, I'm not going to be able to hold on to it. And that's what you did when, when you saved me. You gave me a new container. And that just always stuck with me. It also, though, is a challenge as I've gotten older and you go through things and you try to forget the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you try to keep going forward, but that last part of that scripture says, but for no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. My human tendency, my tendency, I don't know about yours, is that, you know, if I I finally learned how to use a smartphone, I don't need, you know, the next smartphone, right? But now things are changing so fast, and it's not just stuff like that, but we like the old. We have a tendency to want to hang on to the old. And if we're not careful, we'll just camp there and we'll miss out what God has for us. So that same scripture is so important now as I get older because the the skin has to constantly be renewed, okay? I mean, I feel younger now. I I, I went on vacation last week and got a tan. I feel younger. Uh, But... But it's, it's got to be renewed in God. It's got to be renewed in the Word. It's got to be renewed in prayer. It's got to be renewed in, in community. Otherwise, it gets old, it gets brittle, and God can't put new stuff into it. Amen? So if uh, the team could come up, um, I feel like um, what, what the Lord would have us do tonight is... is you know, you might be here and you, don't, and, and you need that new wineskin. Uh, maybe you were like me and never, n- n- never really heard the gospel. That's, that's possible. God has not just a plan for your life, but he wants to give you eternity. You, you need to be able to, to uh, be able to receive that and hold on to it. But I think a lot of it also is you need some renewal. You need God, you need the Holy Spirit to come and make that skin new again. Or maybe you've been living in the past and you've been hanging on to it, bad or good. In some cases, the, the good is worse, okay? Because if you're living, you know, in the 90s, right? And you're, you're holding on to that, you know, wondering why it's not what you did in the 90s was working and why it's not working in 2015, you're living in the past. So, as, the, as they worship, if... If any of that resonates with anybody, just ask, ask the Lord to help you. I'll come down and we'll pray. There's, there's folks here that will come and pray with you. But let the Holy Spirit minister to you tonight and renew that skin. Help you to let go of things in the past and move forward. Forget what's behind and press forward what he has for you. Amen?
Thank you that we can walk in that royalty, that we can walk in that truth and that peace. We can walk in that grace. Father, thank you for renewing us daily. Thank you for making these skins supple and pliable and tender, being able to be formed, being able, Lord God, to be filled 
with your goodness and filled with your grace and filled with your love that we can take to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.